Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every single person here. God, thank you for the miracle of Valley Rise. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you that we want to grow closer to you and closer to people every single day. We pray that today we take that step. Pray that you speak to us about your heart, God. Pray that we learn a little more about you, that you draw us in. For those, God, that, that maybe today's a painful day, that you would comfort them and speak to their hearts. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, so I want to talk to you today about the greatest father of all fathers, okay? The, the, the father. I'm sure all of us, when we were children at one point or another, sang the song about the father. Come on, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. You know, you got to do all the little hand things. I don't know what it did. Now I realize they were just doing that to keep us busy as kids. They're like, right leg. You're like, this is so much fun. They're like, we only got 10 more minutes of class, and then we can let these kids go. Father Abraham. Abraham was the original father. He's the father of many nations. He was the person that God chose to ultimately populate the majority of the earth through. And so as I was beginning to study dads, I said, I want to go back and I want to look and see what, what, what things did Abraham do that maybe I can learn from as a father? What things did Abraham encounter with God and his relationship with God that I can learn from as a dad? And I believe that God gave us some interesting things. Listen, being a dad is the greatest joy in the world. But anyone who is a dad knows it is also a great responsibility. It is a great responsibility. It's kind of like when you get married. I was just telling one of our, one of our uh, team members about to have a child. And he said, you know, I'm looking forward to having a baby. Like, what's it like? And I said, it's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And he looked at me like I wasn't telling the truth. And I'm like, no, really? You're going to love it. Don't look at me. I'm a little tired right now. And like, you know, kid's been up all night. And like, one of them peed on me last night. But you're going to love it. And like, and he's just looking at me. And I said, you know, it's kind of like when you get married. Before you get married and you're super excited, you're like, marriage is going to be the best. Or you're just going to have sex all day and lay in bed and watch Netflix. And like, it's going to be amazing. Just go on dates every night and have silly fights. We're just going to joke with each other. And like, and then you get married and you're like, oh, all right. Marriage is work. <laughs> It's real work. It's awesome, and it's work. And, um, and there's this reality that sets in all of a sudden that this is as awesome as it is, is as much responsibility as it is. And I believe that parenthood is that same way, and every mother knows, and every father as well, that as awesome as our children are, and as amazing as it is, and what a privilege it is that there's a great responsibility that God has given each and every one of us as parents, not just as parents, but as fathers. And I want to address that today. Genesis 17, 15 God comes to Abraham, and a lot of us know this story. God comes to Abraham. He says, listen, you're going to have a child. Abraham's like, yo, God, I am like 99 years old. I don't know if you realize that's not how this thing works. He's like, you're going to have a child. And, and so he begins to tell him the process of how he's going to have a child. And this is the conversation that God has with Abraham. God also said to Abraham, as for Sariah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sariah. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good question if I'm Abraham. I'm also thinking the same things. But what I realized in reading this is that fathers do three things. And I want to give you the first thing if you're taking notes. Number one, fathers name you. 
fathers name you. And I believe as God speaks this to him, what he's really showing us is that we have the ability as fathers to name the people around us. God named Adam, but Adam named Eve. Adam, God gave Adam the right to name all of the animals. And that same way, God has given us the right as fathers to be able to name people. Many of you know what an what a impact your father has had on you if you didn't have a father. Or if you did have a great father and you could stand and go, I know the impact he's had on me. I was watching a special the other day with Brett Favre. And it was his like lifelong legacy review. NFL Network did this thing on him. And they're showing all his accomplishments and all the things that he's done. And, you know, it was phenomenal. And they show him and his dad's relationship. His dad was his coach. He was very hard on him. And he said something at the, at the Hall of Fame induction that blew my mind. He said, when I was playing high school football, I played the last game of my senior year. And he said, I'll never forget hearing my dad say to another coach. He said, he didn't even know that I heard this. I heard my dad say, yeah, you know, he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't meet his potential this year, but I promise he's going to keep trying. He's going to get better. And he said, I never forgot that. And standing at the Hall of Fame platform with tears rolling down his face, he said, his dad now in heaven, he looks up and he says, Dad, I hope I met my potential now. And I just thought, like, what an impact. What an impact that a statement that a father had that named him something, that he hadn't met his potential, that put something inside of his child that for the rest of his life he would strive to do. Fathers can name you. Abraham names Sarah. And through him naming Sarah, God begins to bless them. Fathers, listen to me. God doesn't just give us the ability to name things. He gives us the ability to name things that will bless things or curse things. And when we name things well, we bless ourselves. And when we name things poorly, we curse ourselves. I don't know if you've ever encountered someone that like cursed their children, like, like maybe literally or maybe just, it was just emotionally that you're around them. And then, man, that boy will never be good for nothing. And you're going like, God, like... Probably not. If my dad talked to me that way, I probably wouldn't be good for nothing either. And there is, I want to give you some practical things that I do every single night. You can ask my wife without fail unless I am sick or out of town. And even if I'm out of town, I do it. I, I will go up to my children's room. I pray with them. We read our books. Okay, what you know, it's never one book. It's like 100 books. And they're like, this is the last book. They're like, one more book. You're like, okay, last book. And then they pull it out, and it's like 75 pages. You're like, I'm not reading that book. Okay, we're gonna, that book's of the devil. We'll find a short book, three pages, pictures only. Um, and so I go up there, and I'll read their book, and then I pray with them. And then I take each of them, and you can ask them. I take Eli, and I look at Eli, and we have this little thing that we say back and forth. I'll say, you're the joy of mine, and he says, life. And I say, and I'm not, and he says, joking. And I say, one little, and he says, bit. And I say, don't you ever, and he says, forget it. And I say, as long as you, and he says, can live. And then I look at him, I take his head, and I say, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're the joy of my life. You're going to change this. And he goes, world. And I go, okay. And then I go over to Finley, and I do the same thing with Finley. And I go, me and her thing. I go, Finley, Finley. And she goes, yes, Papa. I don't know where she got that from, okay. But it's the only time she says it. Finley, Finley. Yes, Papa. I say, you're the prettiest girl in the hall. And she says, world. And I say, I love you with all of my, and she says, heart. And then I take her by the face, and I say, you are beautiful. You are valuable. You are strong. You are a woman of God. You are going to change the, and she says, world. And I never want them to forget that that's what I think about them. And people ask me, why do you do that? Because the reason that I'm here today is because my father, every day of my life, came up and prayed with me. And he looked at me and he said, you're the joy of my life. And don't you ever forget it as long as you live. And I'm not joking one little bit. And then he would look at me and say, you're going to change the world, Christian Aranza. You're going to do something great. You're going to preach the gospel. God is going to use you. And so when people ask me, did you always know you were going to do something? I mean, this is, how did you know you were going to do this? Or how did you know... 
I, somebody asked me that probably about two years ago. They go, did you ever, I was on staff, second largest church in America, doing great stuff, and I'm there, and somebody asked me, did you ever think you would be doing this? And I paused, and I, immediately I said, yeah, for sure. And they said, well, why? And I said, because my dad told me every day of my life I was going to be doing something like this. He told me every day of my life I was going to be great. How powerful are a father's words? One of the darkest times of my life ever. My dad gave me this Bible that I preach out of to this day, okay, when I was far, far from God. And one of the darkest times of my entire life, I was not a preacher. I was probably barely a Christian. And he gave me this Bible on Christmas morning. I'll never forget it. And this is what he wrote in here. Christian, my son, this book has never failed me in 54 years. Its words have kept me in my darkest moments. Its promises are being fulfilled in your life as you read this. Read it daily. Obey it quickly. Follow it completely. As you do this consistently, one day they will call you a man of God. Thank you for being a man of God. Nothing could please me more. I love you. Press on, my son. The world is waiting for you. How powerful are a dad's words that a dad could speak life into something that wasn't even there. And look into the future and go, I know that maybe it doesn't look like it right now, but I'm going to speak life over something that seems like it's far, but I see what God is going to do in you. It's our job as fathers to speak into our children that life, to speak things that aren't there as though they are, to speak opportunity into them, to speak greatness into them. And to break the cycle that maybe you encountered as a kid where, where maybe death was spoken over you or it wasn't that life spoken over you. Philippians 2, 9. I love this because not only do we have the opportunity to name our children and the things around us, but we see that God did the same thing. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. God himself set the greatest example for us when he said, I am going to name Jesus something great. And I'm going to, when in naming him, I'm going to give him authority over all things. Listen, dads, give your children what only you can give them. Growing up under a pastor was awesome. I many times would have this conversation with my dad, who is wonderful. Y'all saw him last week. He's awesome. He's not nearly as good looking as me, but that's okay. But he's great, okay? And we'd have this conversation where I would go, he, he, we, I'd go, Dad, you know, something's wrong. And we'd talk about what's wrong. And he'd start to pastor me. And I'd look at him as a 16-year-old kid, I'll never forget, going, Dad, I love my dad. I hate Pastor Jacob. I only have one dad. I have a lot of pastors. Your children only have one dad. There is only one of you that can speak into them. And it doesn't matter how valuable or invaluable you think you are. In their eyes, you're the most valuable thing that they know. And the words that you speak to them will define them or break them down. Um, number two, Genesis 18, 22 through 29. Genesis 18, 22 to 29. The men turned away. We're continuing with the story of Abraham. Abraham, when he went to this, this new place that he was going, that God called him to, um, Lot, his nephew, went with him. And in the Jewish culture, when your nephew would do this, when someone would go with you and leave their homeland, you adopted them as a son. So Lot became a son to Abraham because Abraham had no sons at this point. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Sodom, for those of you who know Sodom and Gomorrah, a very wicked city. Lot lives there. God wants to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God wants to destroy it. He comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? And this is the conversation that Abraham has with God. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? 
The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there, he said. For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Okay, that's in, sorry. For the sake of 40, I will not do it. And as I was reading this, God spoke to me. Number two, fathers intercede for you. Fathers intercede for you. I don't know if you saw the case they had in um, England last year, and it was this little boy who, who had been diagnosed with a disease. He was in England. The English doctor said, we want to take him off life support. We really don't think there's much of a chance for him to live. His parents went to court because there, I guess, the hospital have ultimate authority in this situation. He goes to court and he starts pleading with the court to let him take his son to America because there's a trial research test that they can do to try and save his son. And as I was reading this, I was reminded of that and thought, as fathers, our job is not only to intercede before God for, for our children, but to intercede with people for our children. Listen, there is one protector that God gave your children and it's you. And Abraham stands in front of God, the God of the universe, and goes, listen, I will intercede to do whatever I have to do to try and save my son. Whatever I've got to do to save this person, God, that I am responsible for, that I love dearly, that is my family, I will do whatever I have to do to try and save him. What do I have to do? And I was reminded how often God calls us to intercede for our children. One of the reasons that I'm standing here today is because, and, and some of you heard dad say this last week, and he's not joking, and I want to bring clarity to it. He carried me every single morning for an hour in prayer until I was too big to carry. He said that. Too big to carry for some people is like five or six. I was like nine or ten, okay, when he stopped. Like ten years old, walking out in my, my drawers, and he'd be like, come, come see. I'm like, okay, and like climb up on him. My feet are dragging on the ground. He's like, listen, you're going to give people a lot of hell, so i got to pray a long time. Just keep coming. And he was committed to praying me into my destiny. He was committed to praying for me. I can't tell you the nights that I'd be out at the club, okay, far from God, and I'd get a text. And you ever get that text in the club from your parents where, like, yeah, who's texting me at 2.30 in the morning? And Mom? Dad? What are they? What are you doing? And you read it, and it says, son, I'm praying for you. God spoke to my heart. Where are you? Are you okay? I'm like, Oh, listen, I got to go home. God spoke to dad. Okay, we got to get out the club. I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know what's about to go on here, but it ain't going to be good. We got to get out the club. God spoke to dad. And, and was reminded of how he prayed me in. I'll never forget being 19 years old, coming home one night from being out all night long. And I walked in at 6 o'clock in the morning. And, and I walk in drunk, okay, been out all night with my friends. And I look over and dad's sitting at the table with his Bible open. And he's praying. And he looks up. And I walk in, and I remember thinking, like, God, one, why would you do this to me? <laughs> I couldn't come home 30 minutes earlier. <laughs> Two, thinking, what am I doing to my parents? What, Dad is, I've been out all night, and Dad knows I've been out all night, and he's up praying. I walked in, and he looked at me, and he said, I love you, bud. Go, go to sleep. And I immediately was reminded of the grace and the love of God. That as he intercedes for us, that as he pleads for us, that as Jesus stands before the Father and goes, listen, God, let them just go to bed. Have grace on them. That God has called us as fathers to do the same thing and to plead for our children, to intercede for them. Your prayers will go farther than you can ever imagine. 
people look at the story of me and dad. We go preach places together, and people go, that's so awesome. And, I, and I'll, I'll go, do you know how long it took to get there? Because it wasn't awesome in the 10 years I was running from God. It wasn't awesome in the times where they were up all night. It wasn't awesome in the months that we didn't speak and the times that we hated each other. That was not awesome. But dad was committed to praying me into my destiny. In that same way, when I every morning carry Eli and go, you're going to do something great. God's going to use you. He's going to bless you. I'm committed to praying him into his destiny. God has given him one father. Dads, let's pray our kids into their destiny. It's not just mom's job to pray them into their future. It's our jobs to pray them into their future. Yeah, it's a good time to clap. Whew. I mean, you guys are hard to get to clap. We're going to have to bring one of those clap machines or something. Genesis 22, 1 through 8. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here, here I am. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. And many of you know the rest of that story. God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the son he had given him, the one son, his only son, calls him to sacrifice him. And Abraham goes up to sacrifice him. And I love this verse because there's something special about it. It's not just that they're going up to worship. That, that word, worship, is the first time that it's ever used in Scripture. It's the first time worship is ever used in Scripture. So in, in, in the theological realm, we have a word that we call the, the, um, the law of first usage. And what it is is you go back and you look at the first time the word was ever used in the Bible, and that's the purest meaning of what it is. Okay, so the first time the word worship is ever used is in reference to Abraham taking his son and he's going to sacrifice him. And I'm always reminded every time I read that, what God has really called worship to be for us is to be sacrificed. It's a whole different message, okay? God is calling Abraham up, and Abraham goes, I'm going to go up and worship. And I was reminded that fathers sacrifice for you. Manuel, you can come up as a, as a close and talk about this. Fathers sacrifice for you. Either you sacrifice for your children or you sacrifice your children. Listen to me, dads. I'm reminded so many times that children don't spell love, L-O-V-E. They spell it T-I-M-E. And it's probably the thing that is the hardest for most of us as dads to sacrifice is time. It is the hardest for us to go, okay, when I get home from work and I know it's crazy and it's busy and I'm trying to deal with Alex and talk about the day and clean up around the house and do the chores that you have and and, and thank God that I do the same thing my dad did. Because I remember so many times coming home and going, Dad, 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 and him being on the phone and going, one second, one second, one second, one second. And now I find myself many times doing the same thing to Eli where I'll be on the phone and I'll go, he'll go, Dad, Dad, Dad. And in the middle of a conversation the other day, I'm going, Eli, stop, Eli, stop, Eli, stop. I had this flashback to when I was a kid waiting on the phone next to my dad going, Dad, please, Dad, please talk. I need to show you something. I need to show you something. I need to show you something. And I was reminded of how, how difficult it is oftentimes to sacrifice that time is also how important it is for us to sacrifice that time. That the thing that I will remember when dad dies is not the phone calls that he took. It's not the, the, the things that he did in the church. It's not the sermons that he preached. It's, not, it's the time that we spent together. Dad, your kids want one thing from you. They want to spend time with you. And in a world that is nonstop, in a world that is constantly connected, it's very easy at times to get caught up in this. It's very easy to get caught up in work. It's very easy to and go, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying. How do you think we make money here? How do you think you got food, okay? 
Eli always asked me, he's like, why are you going to work again? I'm like, do you like eating? Okay, like, if you don't like eating, I'll stay here. If you want to eat, i got to go to work. But I'm so reminded that, listen, at the end of the day, none of that matters. Because I love all of y'all. But the truth is, probably none of you are going to be there when I die. Okay, hopefully not. That would be weird if you guys were, honestly. But Eli's going to be there. Finley's going to be there. Shiloh's going to be there. And for each and every one of us, we have an opportunity to sow into the greatest moments of our life, which are those moments. Billy Graham, they asked him at the end of his life, they said, what's one thing that you wish you could have done differently? He said, I wish I would have spent more time with my children. And I look at that and just think the person who did the greatest work for the Lord in our generation, been the greatest voice for God in our whole generation, at the end of his life is saying, I wish I just would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have given them more of me. I wish we could have laughed more. I wish we could have played more. I wish we could have wrestled more. I wish we could have done the things that oftentimes dad seems like inconvenience. But I want to remind you of this because in those sacrifices is, is a pull. There is a pull for us as, a, as we sacrifice that we know every time we give time to our children, maybe you are missing a work call or you're missing an opportunity to connect or you're missing a text from somebody that maybe you need to return or missing an opportunity to get ahead somewhere. And I was reminded as I read this that what God does is in our sacrifice that Abraham goes, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know how you're going to do this, God. I'm going to sacrifice my son. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. That in our sacrifice, God always provides. He gets up to the top of the hill, and you know the story. There's a ram in the bush right before he's about to sacrifice his son. There's a ram in the bush, and God stops him and says, no, use the ram. And God spoke to me, and he said, what you consider a sacrifice to give of yourself to your children, I always make up with provision on the other end. You don't ever have to worry about missing out on what you need to do. I will provide on this end if you will sacrifice on the front end. Dads, it is always a sacrifice. Listen, I know. I know those nights you lay in bed going, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to make this happen? How are we going to, okay, maybe if I do this and move this money around, and maybe if we do this, or how am I going to fit in this meeting, or how am I going to, I know those same worries and those same stressors that all of us as dads do, that you lay in bed with the weight that hopefully your wives will never know, which is the weight of the world sometimes going, I have so much to do, and I've got to move this around. I've got to make this happen. And how, how am I going to do this? And I'm so reminded that God speaks to us and he goes, listen, you don't have, just like Abraham went up that mountain, not knowing how it was gonna happen, he trusted that God would provide. And for each and every one of us as men, the hardest test that we will ever have to face is not can we do it on our own, it's can we trust God to do it. It's can we trust God to make up what we won't do or can't do. Can we trust God to go, God, I could do this myself. And God goes, but do you trust me to do it? Do you trust me to give you a better way to do it? Do you trust me to provide in the bush? Do you trust me to give you what you lack? Are you so set on making it happen yourself that you end up missing out on not only time with your family, but time with me? Being a father at the root of it is God calling us to live a life of sacrifice. It's God calling us to lay down ourselves for our wives first, for our family second, and then ultimately for whatever we will do. I always tell people, I know work's important, but Adam lost his job not because he did bad at his job. Adam lost his job because he didn't steward his wife. And I believe God has the same thing for us today, which is if we will steward what God has given us naturally, our wives, our children, then God will care for the areas 
that, we, that he knows are important to us. Being a father is a life of sacrifice. Lastly, Psalm 68.5. Maybe some of you are here and you go, Christian, it's great that you had an awesome dad. I appreciate that. I respect that. It's great that you're a great dad. But Christian, you don't know the dad that I had. You don't know what it was like being raised without a father. You don't know what it was like having someone that spoke death over me, told me I wasn't good enough, told me I wouldn't amount to anything. You don't know what that's like. And I, and I don't know what that's like. But I do know that we have a God who is a father to the fatherless, a God who is a defender of the widows, and a God who is in his holy dwelling. And that he who sits on high looks down and delights in being a father to the fatherless. That he looks down and goes, listen, you don't have a father, that's okay, because guess what? You get the best father in the whole world. You get the best father that there ever was and ever will be. And God takes delight in providing for you. God takes delight. He is jealous over providing for you. We see it so many times in Scripture that God is so careful to point out the orphans and the widows, those without parents, those without fathers, that God goes, those are the ones that have first priority. Don't ever think that God has shorted you. Don't ever think that because you don't have that relationship that you're missing out. You may feel it temporarily on days like today, but I want you to know that your heavenly Father will return it to you a hundredfold and that he will make it up to you and that you have a chance to pass on something ten times greater to your children. I'm so grateful when Dad called me this morning. He goes, well, happy Father's Day. I say, happy Father's Day to you. He goes, I'm just trying to give my children something better than I had. And I was so reminded, thank God, that if each of us will take that place with our kids, that if all of us can go, I just want to give my kids something better than what I had. Thank you, God, that dad at 10 years old, sitting 45 miles from here with his parents fighting, his mom running a bar, all of the chaos breaking out. He didn't tell you this because his sisters were here last week. All three of them got pregnant, 13, 14, 15. His mom, my grandmother, was a prostitute. His dad abused all the children. Okay. And at 10 years old, sitting on the front steps of his porch, said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to give my kids something better than this. What a story, man. And each of us have that opportunity. It doesn't stop just because you get someplace good. I look at Eli and Finley and Shiloh and go, I want to give my children something better than what my dad gave me. He's awesome. He's phenomenal. But God has called me as a man to give more to the next generation so that they can stand on the shoulders of our lives. Dads, we are building a platform that our children will stand on. And it will either be a platform they are proud of or it will be a platform that they are ashamed of. God has given us a great platform to stand on. He is a father sacrificed more for us than we could ever imagine. It is our job as fathers and as men to respond to that and say, we are going to build something better for our children. We're going to build something better for the next generation. We're going to pass them down a name that truly is better than gold. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you that you are the greatest father there ever was, that there ever will be. Thank you that at the end of the day, there is no one like you. We'll get to heaven and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see the fullness of how wonderful you really are, God. How great of a father you really are to us. We love you, Jesus. There's, there's no amount of words we could give you to say happy Father's Day to you, God. But I pray today that as fathers and as men, God, that we begin to grow in every area. That we stretch ourselves. God, we stretch ourselves to sacrifice more. 
We stretch ourselves to intercede more, to pray for our children. We stretch ourselves to name the things around us, God, well. That we would leave names of life on our children and the world around us, on our spouses, on our homes. That what we speak, God, to the world around us would be life-giving and pure. There's those of you here that this morning as we talk about that, you, you may say, Christian, I don't, I don't know a relationship like that with God talk about God like a father. I've never known that. I've known God is, is maybe harsh or I've known religion or I've known church, but I've never known God to be a father that loves me, that cares for me, that is passionate about a relationship with me. I've never known that God, but today I'd like to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. If that's you and you say, Christian, today I want to start a relationship like that. I want to step into that relationship today. Would you raise your hand for me? put your hands down now listen you can pray this out loud or in your heart as long as you mean it this is between you and Jesus if you'll just repeat after me dear Lord Jesus thank you for sending your son to die for my sins to pay my penalty so I could live a life of freedom today God I choose you I believe you rose from the dead to give me a life of freedom. And today I commit to love you, to serve you, and to be a light in the world. In Jesus' precious name. Now, God, I pray over every single person that just prayed that. We just pray that you would bless them. God, we pray that you would meet them. We pray that you would draw them in close, God. That you would position relationships in their lives and friendships in their life, God, to draw them closer and closer into your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for every single person that's stepping into that relationship with you. I pray that you would meet them. I pray that you would heal the hearts, God, of those maybe today that today's a painful day for. That you would heal their hearts. That you would embrace them. That you would show them that you care for them. You're for them. You believe in them and love them you're proud of them. Bless them in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, we have step three happening today. If you want to know how to get more plugged in at Valley Rise Church, this is a great place to jump in. People ask me, how do you start serving at Valley Rise Church? Or how do you get more involved? The growth track is our way of doing it. It's four classes. You can jump in at any point throughout the month. And um, we feed you. We have child care for you. And we just want to make it really easy for you to get involved in what God is doing here. Hey, listen, we're so thankful that you joined us this morning. We know that there's so many great places you could be. So it does mean a ton for us that you're here. If you came prepared to worship with your giving today, we got three ways that you can do that. You can give in an offering envelope. You can give it valleyrisechurch.com or you can text valleyrise to 77296. And let me say this because I wasn't here last week. I don't know what dad said, but I say the same thing every single week. And you can ask anyone who's here. I will never ask you to give. The Bible says that each man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. And we truly believe that. So we believe in tithing and, and we believe in all that. But I will never ask you for money. And it's a staple of what Valley Rise is. It's something that I want to build this church on. So we ask you, ask God. Whatever God tells you to give, that's what we want you to do because we trust him. So if you'll bow your heads with me, we'll pray over that. Ushers, you can come down. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you for every gift and every giver. God, thank you that we trust you. We believe that you are capable of doing above and beyond, God, what we ever need or ask or think or imagine. 
You're the best father that there is. We pray that you bless every single person today. God, multiply what you bring in. Thank you that we get to worship you, that we get to build a place, God, to reach a city that will change the world. Bless each and every person here in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.